powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center, One Church in Global Locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. Let's make our confession of faith together. I am unconditionally loved by God and at harvest. I come to God as I am, but I won't stay as I am. Because the life-giving message I'll receive will make me more like the great I am. I'm on 10 and I win in Jesus' name. Uh, Remain standing for just a moment. I want you to go to uh, 2nd, let's go actually 1st Samuel chapter 16. 1st Samuel chapter 16. 1st Samuel chapter 16. Uh, This message is called Completion in the Midst of a Reset. And it maybe sounds, you know, like, what does that mean? I'm going to make it make sense in just a moment. Say, I'm in a reset and being completed at the same time. Now, say it again. Say, I'm in a reset and being completed at the same time. First Kings chapter 16. I want you to look uh, now at uh, verse number, uh, or excuse me, first Samuel, first Samuel, excuse me, first Samuel uh, chapter number 16. First Samuel chapter number 16. In fact, I tell you what, I want to go, well, we'll say there. First Samuel 16, verse number one. Now the Lord said to Samuel, we're going to look at a few scriptures. How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Saul didn't follow God's instructions. And when God confronted him about it and opposed to taking responsibility for it, he blamed other people. And because he wouldn't own his error, God says, I'm done with you. I'm going to somebody else. Uh, touch your neighbor and say, whatever mistakes you've made, own them. Deal with it, then reset. Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Look at me, church. So what's happened at this point is that Saul now was the first king of Israel. So he fought Saul is the first king of Israel. Okay, so Saul takes the throne. When Saul takes the throne, the story of Saul's life is amazing. Saul didn't actually want to take the throne. Uh, Saul ends up submitting himself to Samuel as his spiritual father. And Samuel becomes a spiritual father to Saul. But Saul uh, starts thinking that he knows more than the one that taught him what he knew. And so it becomes very dangerous for Saul because Saul ignored the instructions that were given to him when he went on a battle. The Lord said, I want you to destroy everything. And Saul said, well, I wasn't going to do that. I was going to keep some stuff and make it as an offering to you. This is where you get the phrase that you've heard, perhaps obedience is better than sacrifice. And people use that out of context. Saul was saying, I'm going to sacrifice this stuff to you. And God said through the man of God, well, you should have just obeyed me. I don't want your apology. I want your adherence. All right. So here we go. Verse two. Verse 2, 
And Samuel said, so God says, I'm done with Saul. I want somebody else. You ought to touch your name and say, thank God. Thank God. He hadn't said that about you. How do you know? You still got breath in your body. And if you're hearing what I'm preaching tonight, I'm here to tell you, he is not done with you. Touch your name and say, he's not done. And Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears that he will kill me? But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and, uh, and say, I have, come to, uh, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Keep going with me. Verse 3, then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? We're going to look at a lot of scripture and then I'm going to get you to say, I'm completing in the midst of a reset. And he said, peaceably, I have come uh, to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves or set yourselves apart and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he said to Eliab, he said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I've refused or rejected him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what's going on behind the scenes. Watch this. Look at me. Let me throw a point in here. There are certain things in your life that when you looked at it, you thought it was this. But God says what you need to understand is there's some other stuff going on in them. Some other stuff happening in them. And I had to reject them because you didn't know what was in them. There are some people you're like, why didn't this happen? And why didn't this friendship work out? Why didn't this relationship work out? God says, because you looked at everything from the uh, external circumstances. I was looking at what was really in their heart. I was looking at what they were really thinking. They knew how to fake you out, but I knew what they were really thinking. I knew what they were really saying. So I saved you a lot of money and kicked them out. First, verse, seven, uh, verse eight. So Jesse uh, called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. How many is that? Well, that was the third there. Then Jesse made how many? How many? How many? How many? Walk in front of the man of God, Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, I ain't chose none of these. How many? Okay, let me just go ahead and, and help your neighbor. September, the Gregorian calendar, the month we're in, um, doesn't actually mean nine. See, September, January, February, March, April, May, all the way to, to that. Most people think September means birthing, as a mother birthing. Touch your neighbor and say, that's wrong. The word September means seven. Touch your neighbor and say, be a good student. So, so in this month, and we're fasting in this month, we stepped into really the month that means, watch this, the month means seven. Verse. Then Jesse made, I'm going to make it make sense in a moment, just stay with me. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Come on, next verse. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he says, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is over there keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes in here. Watch this. How many sons went before? So David is the 
eighth. Eight is the number of new beginning. It's the number of a... I'm going to make it make sense in a moment. If you don't know where I'm going with this, this is going to make sense in a moment. Touch your neighbor and say, please stay with Bishop. Verse. He says, he's out there right now. What God is looking for isn't in the house yet. What God prayed for wasn't in the house yet. Until seven came to an end so that the reset could be. Okay. Does the never say, please stay with Bishop? It says, there he is outside of the house. Bring him in the house. And I'm not sitting down until he comes in here. Next verse. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, bright eyes, good looking. And the Lord says to Samuel, the man of God, get up. Arise. Anoint him. Because he is the one. Now for all of you single people, don't misinterpret this like this is an answer. It is not. I know what some of y'all was thinking. I was just praying. No, 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 no. I know some of y'all was getting real excited too. Why are you trying to get completion with somebody else and you ain't complete in you? But this month, this month is where you finally are going to be complete. You ain't going to need no external this, that, or the other. This is the month you learn to love you. This is the month. Ah. Verse. Anoint him. This is the one. Next verse. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the midst of the rejected ones. <laughs> He took the horn of oil and had all the ones that passed by Samuel that the Lord said, no, 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 no. He said, but David, that's my guy. And he's not going to get it right all the time and he's not, he's going to make some mistakes and he's going to have some big failures, but David knows how to follow my instructions. So he anointed him. I'm going to let you sit down in a minute. In the midst of the rejected ones, we're going to come back to these verses in a moment. I'm done. I'm almost done. I'm halfway done. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. After seven, David was the eighth. Father, speak to us tonight with clarity. Answer every question tonight that we would move and walk in completion in the midst of a reset. In Jesus' name, if you believe that this is going to be a month of completion for you, give God praise. Oh, come on, lift it up bigger than that. Lift it up greater than that. Somebody in the overflow ought to just make some noise if you believe this is a month of... High five two or three people as you take your seats and say completion in the midst of rest. Completion in the midst of rest. 
I want to move expeditiously tonight, and I just got to announce some things to you, and I'm speaking prophetically over you. Bishop, what does that mean? That means I am announcing to you what heaven has to say concerning your life this month. This means you can sit up and just hear this as another message if you want to, or you can sit up and say, I am believing that what the man of God is speaking is what God is declaring over my life this month. This month is the game-changing month. This month is a month of completion for you. Everything that was missing, everything that was lacking, everything that is broken, this is the month. It comes from out there. Come here, David. And it comes in here. In this life-giving message series, we're resetting and creating new beginnings. And so far in this series, we've hit reset in ourselves. We've reset how we see success through the lenses of its side effects and through learning the ABCs we needed to cut and Ds now out of our lives. And we learned how to reset the right relationships. We learned how to reset our faith with the fast. And in the last message we just came out of, we learned how to reset our finances. Tonight, I want to converge the series that we're in reset uh, with the month that we're in. Now, watch this. Say reset. Reset doesn't always mean that all progress is lost. And that's why many people fear the thought of resetting because we overvalue uh, what is in a current area of life and we undervalue what can be achieved through a reset. Uh, watch this. But you, touch your neighbor say, but I. You are the kind that understand that you are in a new beginning, that you are in a fresh start, that you are in a totally new place in life. Now, this is the perfect series as we entered in this to come into after the last series we were in, Emojis, where we confronted and conquered our emotions. I don't know about you, but this particular year has been quite an emotionally interesting year for me. Any other witnesses in here? This year has been both the best of years and record-breaking in every way. And simultaneously, it has been a year where I have had to now confront some emojis uh, within myself that I did not even know were there. Am I preaching to anybody? But again, if he reveals it to you, it's because he wants to heal it in you. Which means, watch this, you can be in the biggest roller coaster of your life and at the same time say, but I'm happy because I'm finally dealing with some stuff inside of myself that I didn't know still needed to be dealt with. High five your neighbor and say, it's the best, it's the best. Now watch this, we, we confronted and conquered our emotions so that they did not conquer us. And one of those principles that we learned is that God is transforming us into his image daily. Say daily. Which means, watch this, Today, Wednesday's version of you ought to be better than Tuesday's. Tuesday's version ought to be better than Monday's. Monday's version ought to be better than Sunday's. Sunday's better, uh, version ought to be better than Saturday. You get the point. Now, check this out. That transformation is a process, not an event. And sometimes stuck in the process and things can freeze up things can cut out and we can get stuck and make mistakes fail do dumb things and need to reset now now but i need to speak prophetically to you tonight and foretell what this month is going to be for you so when i say the term speak prophetically i am foretelling what this month will be for you this will be a september to remember in an on 10 way and in case you don't know what on 10 means, it means the best of the best. Watch this, best of the best. People, places, things, and ideas. Every David that's missing. All right. Well, watch this, watch this. I, I, I'm almost there. Watch this. Uh, say a September to remember. Now, now watch this, watch this, watch this. In the Gregorian calendar, named after Pope Gregory, uh, we use, uh, that goes from January to December, uh, we entered the month of September, which in chronological order is the number nine. And most people tend to think of the number nine as it relates to birthing. But September actually means seven. That's significant because it's counted nine, but it means seven. Missed it. It's counted nine, but it means seven. 
Seven is the biblical number of completion. Watch this, which meant hidden in every time you say the word September is completion. All right, let me try somebody online. Every time somebody says, what day is it? It's September 7th. Double seven. Every time I say September, I'm speaking to myself, telling myself completion. Nothing missing. Nothing lacking. Nothing broken. Oh, is what? You still here? Now, 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 now watch this. But the Bible's not actually based off the Gregorian calendar. Watch this. And some of you are like, well, Bishop, then, then what are we talking about sevenfold? Because you know? the, the month means seven, independent of its chronological order. There were only two words in the Greek, the language of our New Testament, for time. One was chronos, chronological time. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. The second was Kairos, and they created the word Kairos later because we see it even in the Gospel of John when he's writing about Jesus. They didn't have a word that was quite uh, appropriate to uh, dictate and to articulate Jesus stepping into time. So they had to create a word for time that wasn't chronological. It became a word that was qualitative in time, meaning it was the best of times. And so they created this word called Kairos. It literally means when heaven invades the earth. So the scripture says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh later on in another verse, and dealt among us watch this here's what he's saying and then kairos happened check it out say kairos happened heaven stepped out and said we came to the party heaven interrupted chronos and injected kairos are you still here church so when we look at this from the gregorian calendar one two three four five six seven eight nine that's chronos but the ninth month really means seven. That's Kairos. Touch your neighbor and say, stay with Bishop. Now, th this is important. This is important. You need to understand this. Uh, but the Bible isn't actually based off of that Gregorian calendar. It's based off of the Hebrew calendar. And the Hebrew calendar has four different starts to the calendar depending on the purpose. But the civil year is when the name, number of the year actually changes at a feast that we'll talk about uh, called Rosh Hashanah or the Feast of Trumpets. That's roughly 30 days from now. This is what you're trying to say. Which means, biblically speaking, we're in the last month of the spiritual year. Stay with me, church. Stay with me, church. Say Kairos. Now, uh, there are seven major Hebrew feasts. Seven is the biblical number of completion. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, all is well. So we see this picture then of God's rest or God's shalom fulfilled through the seven feasts. Got it? I've taught on that before. There's tons of teaching. I'm going to teach you more about it when we get to it next month. So say, Bishop. So what, sir? Because you don't just say so what. You put something on that now. Amen. Amen. I'm just being funny with you. Watch this. Why? Well, who cares? Okay, great. Kairos and Kronos and Transformers. and Why does it matter, Bishop? Let me tell you why it matters. Because the time you're in 
is a divine intersection. Bishop of what? The natural calendar says you're in the month of seven. The biblical calendar says you're at the end of a year. Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Touch your neighbor and say, stay with Bishop. So the reason some of the stuff you've been dealing with has intensified. Who am I preaching to? It's because you at the end of the year and you happen to be at the time where God says at the end of this year I'm going to make you complete. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Nothing lacking. All in what? Say I'm in an intersection. Okay, now watch this. Now we shouted. I want to make sure we got it. Say I'm at a divine intersection. Say it's a kairos moment. That means heaven is invading the earth. According to God's calendar, there are only approximately 30, actually it's a little less, than 30 days left in this biblical year. The year changes at Rosh Hashanah, which is the first Wednesday of next month, which is why you cannot miss it. shouldn't miss it at all. But if you miss that, you're in direct disobedience. Because he said we should have a holy convocation. That means everybody come together. But at the same time, you're in a month that name of the month means seven. Say it's a divine intersection. Let me help you understand. That's why you've been getting revelations about folk. And revelations about situations and circumstances. What you mean revelation? That's why people now are finally showing their true colors. They were able to hide it, but in this month, God says they ain't going to be able to hide that stuff no more. They were able to fake you out, but God says they ain't going to be able to fake you out this month. Because you are at a divine intersection. You are at a kairos. It's the end of the year, baby. And at the same time, you're going to be complete. This is why there's stuff you thought you conquered. And all of a sudden, this month, the timing of the fast was very strategic. <laughs> Touch your name and say, this was strategic. God don't do nothing on accident. When I set the dates, just so you know, I didn't know that. You ought to be glad you got a pastor that's got the Holy Ghost and ain't sitting up here guessing. Even when I make a mistake, my mistake is still anointed. Y'all ain't saying that. My mistake. So, say I'm at a divine intersection. Come on, talk to me. I'm at a divine intersection. So, there's only less than, there's a little less than 30 days left uh, before the new spiritual year, the trumpet blows. And old is gone, and new is official according to God. The year of the biblical calendar changes. At the same time, you are, it's happening in a month that means completion. Now, now, Psalm 35, 27. Here it is. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm going to tell you what's happening this month. I'm speaking prophetically into you. Now, you can say, I just don't believe it, but then this is for your neighbor then. 
But I dare you to just do a road check and say, everybody on this row is complete, though. Everybody on this row. If you don't want to be complete, man, you're going to need to get up and switch seats, switch rows, go to the bathroom right quick, run outside, move your car, turn your lights off. But everybody on this row, we done been through too much hell. We done dealt with too much betrayal. We done dealt with too much to... And dealt with too much to not get paid for it. Dealt with too much to not have God reverse it and turn it in my favor. Would you shake your neighbor's arm like you're going to shake it off and say, you've been through too much to mess it up now. Psalm, Psalm 35, 27. I said, that's why every ass you haven't cut, he cut. Deuteronomy 22.10. Let me tell you what he did. Let me tell you what he did. What he did is he said, listen, it's some, watch this, it's some that's posing his ox. They got ox costumes on. They went to, uh, to, the, to the party city store and got an ox costume. And they've been in your life making ox sound, saying the right stuff, doing the right stuff, looking like they are ox. And God says, I pulled the costume off and had to show you that ass because that ass got to go. Deuteronomy 22.10. I'm not cussing this in your Bible. He said, take the costume off. Show your truth. Psalm 35, 27. I'm almost done. Psalm 35, 27. Psalm 35, 27. Let them do what the Bible said. <laughs> and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure we were here Sunday, and the shalom, Hebrew word there, of his servant. Watch this. Watch this. The antonym, I told you this on Sunday, for uh, who has delight uh, or pleasure in the prosperity of his servant, the antonym, the opposite, means dislike, which means God does not, di he dislikes it when his people are missing something. Something is lacking or something is broken. So he dislikes that. So if he dislikes it, you ought to dislike it. You ought to dislike if it ain't right. You ought to dislike if it's not excellent. And rather than complain about it, you ought to say, for this reason was I sent. The reason I'm sent is to fix the problems I see. I'm not sent to just sit up and complain about the problems. I'm sent to solve the problem. Just what they say, be a problem solver. I can't stand people that always can find what's wrong, but ain't doing nothing to make it better. But you, you're the type that says, I was sent to handle this. I was sent to make this better. I was born for this. Have five your neighbor say, I was born for this. Watch this, I'm almost done. God says, I don't like it when something's not shalom. Now, I word, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing like that as well. Uh, one of the definitions is safety. Watch this. Say safety. Sometimes when you are a parent, you must protect your child and keep them safe from things that they think they're ready for or they can handle. But you as a parent, watch this, your wisdom and experience will teach you 
that that's a mess right there. That's some drama right there. That's this and that. So you have to watch this. So you will take necessary steps to provide for their safety. So watch this. Here's what God has been doing the last few weeks of your life. As, as, as God was saying, so Bishop didn't sat up and taught you all this time. And you just, so you, you really ain't going to listen to him? You really going to sit up and say, preach, sir, say it, Bishop. It ain't done nothing but what he didn't say. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep you safe even when you don't know you need to be kept safe. Because he's a keeper. In the old church, they used to say he's a keeper. God says, I'm going to keep you safe even though you don't need you know you need to be kept safe. So, so, so there's some, some stuff. Let me tell you what he's been doing. He says, so you ain't going to listen? Okay, so I'm just going to pull rank. And keep you safe. Here's what the next definition of that word means. Uh, favor. What's that? Preferential treatment. Next meaning healthy. That's why you're on a fast. So, so, so you can get healthy. So your skin can get good. Amen. So you can cleanse that colon out. You're, you're cold, you know it's clean because you didn't had more flatulence than you had in a long time. You just, you be walking over the corners in your office talking about y'all just, hey, y'all just stay over there. Give me a minute over here. Excuse me. Now don't nobody go over there. Y'all stay away from over there. I got it. I'll get what you need off the copy. I'll get that for you. I mean, it ought to just be, you know, just clean. All the beans and rice and praise him. <laughs> Say healthy. Say whole. Now, he says he delights in the prosperity, the shalom of his servants. And I talked to you on Sunday that servant there uh, is a bond servant, which, which essentially means the servant was freed uh, in antiquity, but then they returned to serve their master. So for us practically today, that means uh, serving, using our lives to change the lives of other people. This means that your physical campus, if you haven't done it, you need to take care of you and begin serving. If you're at a digital campus, you need to still take care of you because you can do it online. And then your serving is inviting people. Now, check this out. Say, say, say that's what he's interested in. So if seven is completion, if seven is synonymous with shalom, got it? You with me? Say that's the convergence I'm in. So God says, it's the end of the year, spiritually. Amen. And God says, I intend for you to end this spiritual year complete. Y'all still with me? All right, now, I'm going to tell you what it means. 3 John 1, 2. 3 John 1, 2. We're going to look at this real quick. Y'all still with me, church? All right, 3 John 1, 2, and then we're going to go back. He's going to say, Bishop, why do we start with David? I'm going to show you why. We're going to go back to David. Say, God plays the numbers. God plays the numbers. The study of um, numerology is gematria. In the, in the Hebrew language, there's a corresponding letter for each number, corresponding musical note for each letter, which means the entire Bible is both a mathematical equation and a song. You got it? So it's a song he wrote to us but it's also a mathematical equation whereby he says, listen, if you follow what I said, 
the results are going to be good. 3 John 1, 2. Beloved, I wish above how many things? That ye prosper. This is King James. Y'all give us the new king because some folks got stuck on mayest. Here we go. One, two, ready, read. No, 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 hold up. Y'all got to read it like an army. One, two, ready, read. Okay, so watch this. Watch this. Watch, watch what's actually really happening this month. Leave the verse up. Now, he's writing, and he's writing this letter, and he's saying, listen, I want you to prosper. I want you to be healthy. He says, but I need to tell you the way to get there. He says, the real source of your issues haven't been your issues. The real source of your issues has been what you've been hiding in your soul. So when I make you complete, I'm not just changing what's around you. I'm changing what's been going on in you. Because your real problem ain't them. Your real problem is you. But this is the month God says you going to finally Watch this. Beloved, I pray that you may, what? Prosper. What's that word mean? Shalom. And how many things? In all things and be healthy. But just as means you can only experience shalom around you equivalent to the shalom in you. So I'm not just trying to get you cash, cars, and clothes. I'm trying to get you healed. I'm trying to get you emotionally together. I'm sick of you making bad emotional decisions. I'm sick of you doing stupid stuff because you're in your emojis. So God says, this is the month I'm healing your soul. I need somebody to holler, heal my soul. Heal my That ain't how you say it if you want it. Holler, heal my soul. Why do you keep doing what you do? You keep doing it because something's going on in your soul. I'm almost done. I said I'm almost done. So now, he says, you can only experience shalom around you as to what's equal in you. And let me prove it to you. When you're shalom internally, you'll look at opposition and you'll say, this is awesome. You don't look at it that way because your soul needs some healing. But Kelly Price had a song said, I need a healing from my soul. And touch your neighbor and say, it's happening this month. You might as well get used to it. God says he's putting you out on the table and I'm going to heal your soul. It's too late now. You're already in, the, already in the fast. You're already in the month. Touch your name and say it's too late now. It has begun. God says you ain't escaping me this time. You ain't running away from me this time. You ain't getting caught up with them people again this time. This time I'm going to heal your soul. Verse, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Watch this. And be healthy. Does the name say, I intend to live a long time. 
You ain't, you, ain't, you, ain't, you, ain't, you ain't even be checking out of here early. Matter of fact, lift your hands. I declare that you shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord our God Almighty with long life shall he satisfy you. We rebuke every sickness of every kind and command it to flee your body now in the name of Jesus. Long life, long life, long life. Watch this. I'm almost done. Watch this. You still here, church? He said... Beloved, I pray that you be, may prosper, be shalom. And how many things? All things. And be healthy, just as your soul prospers. So here's the point. The shalom around you can only match the shalom in you. Amen. See, when there's shalom in you, you look at a problem and say, God, this is awesome. Let me tell you what happens when I get briefed on different things. I be like, Great. Even if it's something that you might think, my bishop say great to that. Because I'm shalom. So even if it looks like it's against me, what it doesn't know yet is you must work for me. Why? When I'm shalom, he makes all things work together for my good. Even if a giant comes, well, come on, giant. I'm a giant too. Come on, sucker, what you got? Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. If a lion comes, well, I'm a lion chaser and a lion killer. And Benaiah chased a pit into a lion into a pit on a snowy day. When you're shalom, your paradigm of life changes. Lay your hands on yourself. Say your paradigm's changing. So here it is. I got to wrap this up. I can only have shalom around me circumstantially in my circumstances and my finances in my friendships, in my career, my relationships, vocation, occupation, if it comes first out of me. Guard your heart for out of it flow the issues of life. Heart, mind. Your soul is your mind, thoughts, will, and emotions. Which means everywhere you look, there you are. If you're mad with what's going on around you, watch this, you need to start in you. And here's what most of us do. When we talk about, I'm just going to start fixing stuff in my life, you fool. You start tinkering out here. Well, maybe if I do this, well, maybe if I do this, well, maybe if I do this, well, maybe I do this, you fool. That is the wrong place to start. The issue ain't out here. The issue is in here. But I declare your days of foolishness have ended. I declare your days of foolishness have ended. A fool by definition is one who lives as if there is no God. And God says, you keep tinkering with stuff. And that ain't the problem. The problem is you. You're still here. Watch this. I'm done. So how do we get to David, Bishop? Well, God plays the numbers, right? So 1 Samuel 16. When David's a teenager, Samuel, the man of God, came to his house to anoint a new king to replace the incumbent king, Saul. Jesse presents all of his sons to David, all of the seven that Jesse thought fit. All of the seven that Jesse accepted. But there was an eighth son named David that Jesse didn't even think belonged in front of the man of God. Just imagine how he felt knowing that all his other brothers were perceived to be good enough, but he wasn't even invited into the house. How is it 
that who would later become the promulgator of praise and worship. He, uh, a man that, that, that the Lord would do so many great things. The, the man that the Bible would eventually say was a man after God's own heart. How is it that this man, how is it that he had this type of beginning? I mean, if you look at David's life, it's very interesting because he's a shepherd. I there with sheep. Because if you can't be trusted to do the dirty jobs. See, see that's why some of y'all, you wonder why, you wonder why, you, you know, you, 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 you're getting into the second half of your life. And you wonder why I just, I don't feel accomplished. I don't feel this. It's because God says you don't know how to do the dirty jobs long enough. Uh, David, 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 he's out there with the sheep doing the dirty jobs. There used to be a show where a guy came on with the dirty jobs. Uh, David was doing the dirty jobs, and David's out there. While David is out there, he's roughly 16 at the time, and uh, David's out there, and he's doing the dirty jobs. In the Hebrew culture, he was three years past the bar mitzvah, which means the age of the law, so he was three years technically into manhood. So he's a young man. Uh-huh. You still here? Watch this. Seven sons of Jesse pass in front of Samuel. And the Lord says, I don't want none of them. Jesse, or Samuel says, well, is there anybody else here? Isn't that an interesting question? Considering when I came to your house, I said, I want to see all your sons. Watch this. Which means, watch this, I'm going to help somebody. There are some prayers, let me prophesy to somebody. The first time you prayed it, God only let seven walk in. You missed the principle. You missed the principle. There are some prayers you prayed where the first time that you prayed about it, it looked like the answer was this. Because God says, I need to see if you'll persist after it looks like that's the answer. You, 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 you understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Why would Samuel ask the question, is this everybody? Are all your young men here? All your sons here? Didn't I tell you when we were coming to the house that I came to look for your sons? I was looking to anoint a new king. So why ask again? What does pray mean to ask? Why ask again? Watch this. Why pray again? Watch this. And Samuel said to Jesse, verse, for all the young men here. Then he said, what's this? Well, there was something I was keeping out of the house. Watch this. So the rest could pass by. I'm going to say something, and your response to this will determine how quickly this happens for you. This is, let me say it. There remains the youngest. And there he is outside of the house. When you came, Samuel, you prayed for, asked for all my sons. I withheld one. You missed it. Haven't I been saying to you that you got to go through the rest? get the best. Well, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. What if Samuel would have said, he ain't here. 
well, I guess there's nothing else for us to do here. I guess I was wrong about this. I guess maybe I went to the wrong Jesse the Bethlehemite's house. Watch this. He says, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is. Touch your neighbor and say, there you go. There he is. Whoop, there it is. Thoughts are new. And Samuel said to Jesse, after seven, completion, send and bring for him. Or, and bring him, rather. I'm not sitting down until he comes here. L let me tell you what happened when we stepped into this month. God says, I'm preaching to somebody, all the counterfeits are about to be gone. You, 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 you missed it. You missed it. All the counterfeits have already passed you by, which means this month, what's coming in? The eighth, the best, the best, the Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, verse. I, I need you to catch it. I need you to catch it. Are you catching it, church? Now, I'm speaking prophetically tonight, which means I'm foretelling what is coming. Okay? So you're like, Bishop, what's the point? Uh, you know, just I gave you the one point about shalom, outside shalom, inside. Take, make the points now. He says, he says, are all the young men here? Is everything I prayed for, is it here? Is everything I prayed for, I, I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying, I've been praying. Where is what I prayed for? He says, now you can apply this to your life. Touch him and say, apply this to life. There remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. Here's what I want to know why Samuel didn't ask Jesse. Didn't I tell you when I came what I wanted? So why did you withhold it? You won't appreciate the best until you have had to encounter the rest. The best people, places, things, and ideas. Every counterfeit. So don't feel bad when you're like, I just, you know, some people, I just pegged them wrong. I pegged this wrong. I pegged this wrong. I pegged this wrong. You have to deal with seven counterfeits. Before the best can show up. Watch the verse. And Samuel said to Jesse, send, bring for him. We're not sitting down until he comes. Where? Here. Do this. Do this. Show me camera. You got your hands out? Say, come here. Come here. Pull it in. Yeah, put it back out. Completion. Say, come here. Put it out. Say shalom. shalom. Say come here. come here. Look at the verse. Look at the verse. He says, send and bring for him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Yeah. Now, I want you to do something. Say this is prophetic. This is prophetic. Say your address. Say it right now. Come open your mouth and say your address. And put the apartment numbers on there too. You don't want your neighbor getting it. You don't want, you don't want your neighbor. Well, that's my stuff right there. No, that's apartment A. I'm going to need that over here. Say everything that has been missing, has been lacking, has been broken. Come here. 
<laughs> you ain't just saying it to say it. You're in the month. <laughs> Verse, I got to finish. I got to finish. And Samuel said to Jesse, sin and bring for him. We're not going to sit down until he comes here. Next verse. So he sent and brought him in. So he what? Brought him in. Come on, pull it in. Dead freedom. Watch this. Let me prophesy. Them student, them student loans that they say can't be gotten rid of. I prophesy to somebody. Somehow, someway, God's getting ready to wipe somebody's debt. He's getting ready to wipe somebody's debt. You ain't even going to have to. Come in. Do it again. Come in. First, he was ruddy, bright-eyed, good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Come on, verse. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the seven. Look at me. Look at me. Lead that verse up. Here's where you're at. You remember a couple weeks ago I preached about the anointing and the anointing oil and that's how you cut it? Yes, sir. So I hope you've been putting your oil on every day. Because yes, if you haven't, see, you've been missing out on something. Because what you've been doing is being anointed in the midst of counterfeits. <laughs> see? Seven, seven rejected had to pass by. I just hope you can get what I'm saying. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of the seven. What is seven? The biblical number of completion. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon, say your name. From September 7th forward. Now, Bishop, what in the world does this have to do with David? Be seated. I'm almost done. I'll go on it. I plan to preach for 15 minutes. Somebody must have came thirsty. Watch. David was the eighth seed. Eight, the number of new beginnings. The number of? Number of what? So let's put all these numbers together. Because if you weren't good at math, some of y'all all twisted. You're like, well, I think the two and the four. I ain't said nothing about two and nothing about four. So I don't know where you at. We're in the month of what? September. What does September mean every time you say the word? Seven. So every time somebody says what day is it and you say it is September 7, what you're really saying it is completion seven. What is this month biblically? The end of the year. You know, uh, most businesses, what's this? Most businesses in our nation make their money and they go into the black or their profit margin from the day called Black Friday. That's the day you go out and buy stuff they tell you is on sale, but really they rose the price and just told you it's on sale. And from that day to the end of the year, that's when they go into the black, hence the term Black Friday. It's when they begin making money. And there are some other, some other uh, anecdotal things to it, but that's the general gist of it. Now, here's what I want you to get. They make that at the end of the year. They make up for whatever didn't go right the rest of that year they make up for it at the end of the year let me prophesy to somebody whatever ain't going right the rest of this spiritual year I prophesy you're going to make up for it between now and the end of this spiritual year 
Watch this. You're going to get more done over the rest of this spiritual year than you've ever accomplished in the entirety of your life. You're going to go so far, so fast, it's going to make your head spin. How do I receive that? Come here. Be a good church. Come here. Okay. So, Bishop, what about David? Here's the flip side of David's life. David, about 14 years later or so, David eventually makes his way to the throne. Just touch your name and say, stay with Bishop. About 14 years later or so, David makes his way to the throne. Watch this. He's anointed at approximately 16. It takes him approximately 14 years to make his way to the throne. It's a 14-year journey. It's an interesting journey because after that point, he is now, the anointing of the Lord is upon him to be king. But Saul is still in position. Watch this. He still has authority. He still has office. But David now has presence. I don't have time to go there. David now has been chosen, but yet he's not been qualified to reign. Just because there is talent, just because there is gifting, doesn't mean there's character to match the level of authority that's commensurate with that. You think because you're good at this or you're good at that, that somehow that qualifies you for that. But what you have to understand is, is that, watch this, talent and gifting may get you there, but character will keep you there. And character is not who people think you are. That's your rep. Character is who you are when ain't nobody looking. Character, watch this, is the real condition of your soul. What's your mind, thought, will, and emotions when nobody else knows because you've learned how good to hide it behind a smile. You've learned how to hide it behind shalom. You've learned how to hide it behind yes, sir, yes, ma'am. You learn how to hide it. So for 14 years, David goes to character school. And in character school, I'm almost done. Saul, as we're going to take the turn, Say, this is the game changer, Mom. For 14 years, David goes to uh, character school. And it's interesting because in character school, he has to learn to deal with some very interesting things. Please understand, in order to really rule, reign, conquer, and subdue, you have to learn how to deal with some very interesting things. You have to learn how to deal with uh, people who will smile in your face. And, and, and then their heart is far from you. You have to learn how to smile and hallelujah and thank you, Jesus, and row, 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 Mitsubishi, Subaru, and Honda, and then realize that it'll be that same tongue that will call you everything but a child of the living God. Watch this. One of the things David has to do is he has to sit there, and the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul because Saul, the Lord rejected Saul. You don't ever want to get to the place to where even God says, I don't really want to, I'm really over you. Well, Bishop, that could never happen. Actually, you should read your Bible. Touch your neighbor and say, you don't want to get to that place. And it's not so much that he's done with you. It's just that you psych yourself out into believing that he is, and so you end up preemptively rejecting him, so then you call him rejecting you. Watch this. Are you still here? So King Saul would sit on the throne, and the Bible says the distressing spirit from the Lord would come upon King Saul. And when it would come upon King Saul, he, would, he said, I need a musician. I need, somebody, I need something. I need an atmosphere that can get this off of me because, watch this, I got some stuff I'm dealing with, and it's because of some mistakes I've made, but I need an atmosphere that's conducive to get this off of me. So he called for David, and David would begin to play. And as David would begin to play, watch this, the throne that Saul was sitting on, one day David would occupy that throne, but it wasn't today. And so as Saul would begin to play, uh, uh, or as David would begin to play, the Bible says that the distressing spirit that was upon Saul would flee from him. It would leave him. But here's what's interesting is that 
when the battle with Goliath began, Goliath taunted God's people for 40 days and for 40 nights. He taunted them and Saul didn't go out. Saul should have been the king and he liked, watch this, he liked being in front of folk. He just didn't like having to fight the battles that are required to be a leader. Watch this. Watch this. There are some people that like being seen when it's time to be seen, but when it's time to be behind the scenes, they don't want to be seen behind the scenes. So, so Saul, Saul liked to sit on the throne and talk, you know, all oh, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that, I'm this, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. But then when it's time to go fight that battle, Saul was nowhere to be found. And so David said, I'll fight the battle. Tell me what I get if I win, though. And so they gave, him, they gave him what would happen if he won. And so he goes out. He goes out with Saul's armor. Saul's armor doesn't work. He then says, listen, I tell you what, I'm good. David was like, look, look, I'm from, this is Denver. So give, you know, David was like, I'm from, I ain't going to start nothing. I'm from wherever you just said. David was like, David's like, they don't even know. You understand? They don't even know. You understand? And so David was like, I'm good. Y'all don't even know where I'm from. I'm going to take this here slingshot. Finna go give me five rocks. That's all I need. Five, grace, favor. God plays the numbers. He said, I'm going to use this, and I'm going to go kill him. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dare the ar- defy the armies of the living God anyhow? Who is this guy? Called it. Who is this guy that's even stupid enough to come against us? David goes out. He pulls back that thing. The rock goes forward. And it wasn't that David was such a good shot. It's that when you're favored in grace, even your bad shots... When you're favoring and grace, even your bad shot. Here's what really happened. David, David let that rock go. And Goliath, Goliath was a big old dude. So I don't know how David, you know, David was probably, you know, probably somewhere five, eight, five, nine, somewhere right up in here, you know, right up in here. And so he's probably, <laughs> he's probably about the same height, something like that. Too. And so, and so it's not that David was such a great shot. What it is, is that when he had grace and favor with him, what ended up happening is an angel came down and said, your shot was bad. But we're going to make you look good. And guided the rock so that it hit Goliath in the right spot. The only spot he didn't have armor and it knocked him down. And David was like. He's like, oh my God, it worked. You ever had something working? You were like. David was like, it worked. It worked. I'm almost done. David was like, it worked. Then David, you know, he started feeling good. So he walked over to Goliath, huh? I told you not to be coming messing with my people. You don't know Nan, been to places that you don't. <laughs> he takes Goliath's sword out. Now, Goliath, you got to remember, you know, 11, 12 feet, you know, uh, some estimations has 14 feet. Goliath's a big old dude. So, you know, his sword, I mean, if he's, you know, let's just go with 10 feet just to be conservative. If, his, if he's 10 feet tall, you know, he probably ain't got no little pocket knife. I don't know. Some of my nurses tell me. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Here's the point. Goliath, or David, pulls out his sword, takes it out, cuts Goliath's head off. Now, you know, he probably had a thick neck. So he probably had to saw a little bit. He's <laughs> like, hold up, hold up. Hold up. This ain't going as easy as the rock did. This ain't going as easy as the rock did. Takes his head, grabs him by the hair, holds up his head, and say, Who's next? All of the lords of the Philistines back up and be like, back up, back up, because it's on, just back up. 
we good. They backed up. They were like, David, you the man. We're good. We're going home. Y'all want something to eat? <laughs> want some potato pancakes? What you want? What you want? Shabbat shalom to you too. God bless you. Thank God for you. We're going. So they fleed. Watch this. Because their champion was dead. 1 Samuel 17, 51. Here it is. 1 Samuel 17, 51. Here it is. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took a sword, drew it out, sheathed and killed him, and cut off his head with it. And then the Philistines saw their champion was dead, and they fled. And David killed Goliath, him taking that giant down. Watch this. Made it so that he didn't have to fight any of the others. Y'all ain't with me. Say, come here. The big giant that has been in your face, when you take that one down, it's some other stuff that's just going. Come here. Okay. So David, after this battle, the people start talking. I'm almost done. The people start talking. The people are like, David has killed or Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. No, David ain't killed no 10,000 people. David won one fight. That he won on accident. He won it on grace. Watch this. But the people started making him think, be careful. Because the people started making him think he did that. So watch this. So, 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 you know, Saul hears this. And Saul is like, what is this? What is this? <laughs> Do the people say that you killed your tens of thousands and I have only killed thousands? I'm the king. What are they talking about? From that day, the Bible says that Saul began to eye David. He, it displeased him. Saul eyed David from that day forth. From 1 Samuel 18, 9. Now, check this out. So Saul would sit on his throne. Touch your neighbor say, stay with Bishop. Y'all still with me? Y'all want me to quit right here? Because I need you to see what's so significant. It's like, listen, what does this have to do with your soul? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you in just a moment. So now Saul goes, or David goes through the school of character. And so for, uh, Saul would be sitting on his throne. David would be playing. The Bible says Saul would grab his javelin. David would be over there playing. He was like, you playing good. Keep playing. Keep playing. Keep playing. Keep playing. You playing real good. Keep playing. Uh-huh. Keep on playing. And the Bible says, that's your neighbor say the book says. And the book says he would throw the javelin. Come help me make it a dramatization. So grab it, but just kind of be like an extra behind the scenes and make it look like it's floating. <laughs> he, that's kind of God. That, that works, right? No, 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 no. Don't do a wide shot. Don't do a wide shot. No, no, no. So it looks like it's floating. <laughs> what, what's this? What's this? He'd throw it at David while David was playing to try to kill him. And he did it multiple times. But look what the verse says. So, so Saul, he slipped out of Saul's presence. 1 Samuel 19, verse number 10. He slipped out of his presence. Doesn't anybody say he slipped out of his presence? Can you imagine the king sitting on the throne and him looking at you and being like, keep playing. You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. I missed. Come on back to work. Sit down. Starts playing. Got him again. David went through 14 years of training. Eventually. <laughs> eventually. 
David started shouting. <laughs> okay, watch this. <laughs> eventually, 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 14 years later, David makes his way to the throne. But here's what's unique about David when he gets to the throne. He never dealt with the issues in his soul about him and his father. Watch this. Listen to me, church. You listen to me, church? This is David, the promulgator of prayer, praise, and worship. That this is the man that set up Uriah to be murdered because of his illicit relationship with Bathsheba. This is the David that turned the kingdom of Israel, he turned it into an episode of scandal. This is the David when he was supposed to be out fighting like kings fought. He did the same thing Saul did and decided, let somebody else go fight what I'm supposed to fight. Sees Bathsheba, has an illicit relationship with her. The illicit relationship was with Bathsheba, which is Uriah's wife. Uriah is one of David's mighty men. He sets up Uriah to be murdered. The first child dies because the Lord says, no, he's got to die. Because you disobeyed me. Uriah is dead. I've taught you on it before. He does all these crazy things. Makes all these crazy decisions. Why? You're the king. You got everything you could want and more. Why would you even mess with her? Why would you even try to set up, this is your guy, this is your dude, this is Uriah. Why would you do that, David? Why would you make some of the crazy decisions you're making, David? Why did you number the people after God said, do not do this? Why would you make some of the crazy decisions that you made? Why would you mourn for Absalom, your son who really wasn't your son? He just wanted to be your successor. He didn't love you. He loved what you could do for him. He didn't care about you. He cared about the fact that he got to be next to somebody that was doing something because he'd never done nothing his whole life. David, why are you making all these crazy decisions? I'll tell you why. Because he had mismanaged his soul. His mind, thoughts, will, and emotions. And mismanaged souls are the result and source of unnecessary, or the or source rather, of unnecessary failure because it makes people act out without regard to the consequences. For David, his issue was mismanaged rejection. He never ever does the Bible record where he says to Jesse, Daddy, I got a question, sir. Why were all they in the house? All they, all them in the house. And you left me out here. And you didn't even think I was good enough to come and see the man of God and check it out, daddy. The man of God didn't even want these suckers. He wanted me. And Samuel wanted me and that's great, but I've never healed from the fact that you didn't want me. So David goes his whole life with these misperceptions about leadership. So when he gets leadership, he doesn't know what to do with it. When he's in charge, he doesn't know how to be in charge. Because, am I talking to anybody? Because, because his image of his father is, he'll reject me. 
His image of Saul is, he's trying to kill me. So when he takes over, he has a mismanaged soul. And his soul is salty. Just because you're breathing doesn't mean you're healed. Just because you're smiling doesn't mean you're healed. Just because you're sitting back at the Labor Day cookout doesn't mean you're healed. Just because you got your music playing doesn't mean you're healed. Just because you lay hands on yourself and say you're healed doesn't mean that the healing is actually manifested yet. I wish there were some real people in here tonight that could say the reality is, is I've been smiling. But Bishop, the truth is, I got some stuff in me that has not been handled and dealt with. I got some stuff in me, Bishop that ain't been dealt with, that ain't been handled. The reality of it all is, how do I spell relief when my soul is in torment? David spelt relief to rejection with addiction. He got addicted to bringing people around him that were beneath him. So he could feel like he had somebody there. It's quiet, church. It's quiet, church. He got addicted to loving down. Get the message. Because the reality is, is he never ever healed from why Jesse didn't want him. And so even though God wanted him, He never dealt with the pain of the mismanaged rejection of why won't Jesse fight for me? I'm preaching to somebody. Why didn't Jesse love me? I'm out of time. I'm supposed to quit right now. But can I just finish it? Oh, God. Why? He got addicted. He didn't just have one wife. He had multiple women. And what's funny is, is one day there's a battle at Ziglag. And at that battle at Ziglag, the Bible says that his wives are taken from him. And the Bible says, David asked the Lord, should I pursue this troop? And will I win? Notice, he didn't say, that's my wife. Those are my kids. That's my stuff. I'm fighting for it because it's mine. No, he never saw a fighter. So no, he, he doesn't even ask God, should I go get my wife? Should I go get my kids? He just says, will I win? All I do is win and my hands go up and they stay there, but I want to win for me, not because I love them. Because if won't nobody else love me, if won't nobody else fight for me, baby, I have to do me. I got to do me. I got to love myself because won't nobody else do it. And the truth is, you call that being a strong woman. You call that being a strong man. God says your soul has got some holes in it. He's struggling because he's got power. He's got money. He's got cash, cars, and clothes. He's the man. But when he goes to sleep with all that stuff around him, all those women around him, he says, I'm lonely. 
because Jesse tend to fight for me. Who in your life didn't fight for you? Rejected you, dropped you, abandoned you. And it's been controlling your whole paradigm because wherever you look, there you are. You keep getting mad at the people in your life not realizing you put them there. You keep looking at the circumstances in your life not realizing you're the one that drew them to you. As a man thinks in his mind, heart, so is he, which means as a man is, so are his thoughts. Are you still here? He's got this mismanaged rejection. And he's got all this stuff and none of this stuff fixes it for him. So he just starts making bad decisions, bad decisions, bad decisions, bad decisions. Starts going to war with people. Starts doing crazy stuff. Because his soul never processed the mismanaged rejection. He had to have wondered why. Isn't that what really gets us when people do us certain ways? I wish I had somebody honest. It, it, it not, I got five minutes on the CD. I wish y'all would help me finish this. Isn't that what really gets us when we look back over life and we're sometimes thinking, but why though? But why though? I don't understand what the hell. I don't understand what the heaven. I don't understand. Who am I preaching to? Why? Why? Hurt folk. Hurt folk. Especially folk close to them. I'm done. I got five minutes on the CD. He had to have wondered why. Anybody in here ever wonder why? And here's what we'll say. Bishop, I hit reset. I hit reset. And it don't even matter why. You a lie. Because your soul still is answering. I got good news. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Touch your neighbor so you're finally going to find out why. What's this? David's father's name was Jesse. Want to know what Jesse means? God's gift. <laughs> Y'all don't know when to shout, and I'm out of preaching time. Sometimes rejection is the best redirection. Why, Bishop? Because God says, they ain't the one. This ain't the situation. This ain't the day. This ain't the time. This ain't the place. They were scaffolding. And now it's time for me to do the real thing. Come here. What's this? What they did to you? How they treated you? How they betrayed you? How they walked out on you? How you found out they've been talking about you? How you found out what they really thought about you? Let me tell you what, why that is. God says, I was giving you a gift. Now the gift hurt when you opened it. 
The gift hurt when you looked at it, but what caused you your greatest pain is propelling you into your greatest progress. <laughs> Somebody holler and say it's a gift. Watch this. Say it's a gift. Every time something happens to you that seems to be against you, that hurts you, you need to look at that and say thank you. Why? Come here, ten lepers. It's appropriate to say thank you when I get a gift. The next time somebody betrays you, stop getting mad, stop getting angry. You ought to look at them and say thank you. Bye, Felicia. Why? I'm thankful because what you just did was give me a gift. You just set me free so I don't waste no more time with you. You just gave me a gift. Somebody holler, it's a gift. What's this? Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.